has finished at Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That really goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City is still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! Welcome Blues, this is part two of episode 11 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast featuring Walter Smith and Andy Turner of Man City Fan TV. In this part, we discuss the games against Lyon and Fulham. Listeners, these two guys I've got on the pod seem a little bit giddy to me, so let me drag them down to earth a little bit. City against Lyon, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock kickoff. Pep was serving a suspension following his sending off in the quarterfinal second leg defeat at the hands of Liverpool last April. Guardiola's ban meant that he wasn't even allowed into the dressing room at halftime. Andy Turner, is it the case that when the puppet master is not there, the puppets can't perform? Yes. Yeah, no, I'll be honest with you. I think Pep makes a massive difference when he's on the sidelines. I really do. You see him cajoling players. He's, he's like, he's the director. He's the, he's the one that's there that's always going, pull here, do this, do that, do the other. That is part of his appeal. That is part of the way he's managed Barcelona, the way that he's managed Barcelona B the way that is managed Bayern. He's constantly making changes. I said in a video about three months ago, it was really interesting when you looked at his backroom staff and they turned around and they revealed in an interview that was quite revealing that the fact that he he turns around and says to his players, give me five minutes. Within five minutes, I will see what is going on. And if I need to adapt, I will adapt the team. And you need to be able to look at playing in this position or adapting to that position. And I think it was Dominic Tarrant, the New York City current coach now, who was his number two. And he said that Pep will look at it within seconds and he'll see the way a team adapts. Now, you could argue the fact that he was up in the, I think it was, he was in the, he's in one of the boxes in the North Stand. You could say, well, he could be on his mobile phone. He could do this, but it is a, li- it is different than him striding out onto the into the technical area and going, oi, Walker, oi, Delph, oi, let's tell them to move into this particular position. Watch out for this. So, it, I mean, people. I mean, that's just my opinion. People might, Walter might disagree and say, no, it should shouldn't make any difference. It should be Mikel Arteta is a coach. He should know what he's doing. And but I do think it's a bit different when Pep is not there. But that's just my opinion. Let's test Walter, who is, as we know, the half glass full man. Yeah, Walter, that first half was garbage. A level question. Discuss. <laughs> Do you know I, I was I went out for a walk this morning with my mate and he's he's a big blue and we were discussing that and we both came to the conclusion that that defeat was the best thing that's happened to City this yeah, season. I agree. Um, I agree. It's going to serve as the proverbial kick up the arse that we've absolutely needed. And the reason yeah. I say that is they went they went out and they didn't look as hungry, which is unusual, or they didn't look as at the races as um, Leon did. 
you know, and let's get this right, Leon are a good side with a lot of talent. Well, they've won two games out of five in their domestic league. They're lying 11th. Yeah, that might be the case, but they're still a talented side. You're talking about a small sort of a sample size there. Last season, they qualified for the Champions League. So to be given, sort of to dismiss them so lightly, and then I think in some respects, that's what half the problem was. I think City thought they'd turn, turn up and turn them over. What a save from Edison. Oh, that's my favourite save of his, especially because it meant Depay didn't score as well. But I just thought that, that, as I said, that could be the best thing that's happened to them for the simple reason being he won't take any games lightly anymore. And all, all, all Pep has to do is just get his finger out, point at the date and say, look, this is what happened. If you, if you take it lightly and he's got to drum that message home whilst he's in um, training or whatever, and you've seen the reaction, you know, the 5-0 away from home. Everything was there for us to lose that game. You know, we were talking about cloggers on a on a completely rainy pitch that, you know, mercenaries or whatever people want to call them wouldn't be prepared to stand up and fight on. Well, that's exactly what they did. And I think that all tails back to the Leon game. Yeah, Walter, there is a theory going around that Guardiola confused his players with his attempts to provide different passing patterns for the team this year to, to to try to replicate as much as possible our success in the league last season, but this in the Champions League. It was odd, wasn't it, though, that the changes were made. Stones and Gundogan and Jesus started in place of Otamendi, Sané and Aguero. And when Sané and Aguero came on, they absolutely shifted the atmosphere of that game. Is that Pep's complacency? I don't think it is Pep's complacency. I think... What he's looking at here is we're looking at individual games, and this is the start now of three games. Every you know, eight days you've got three games, seven days you might have three games. You need to manage the squad, and you've got to be thinking, hang on a minute, we're not Liverpool, we don't want to burn out in February. You know what I mean? He's got to manage this whole squad and what a talented squad it is. And you've also got to manage the individuals within that squad, and you've got to be giving certain players playing time to justify why justify why you've got them at the club. But also, if you're sat at a club never playing, well, what does that do for your motivation? And what does that do to this dressing room harmony as well? So he's got to juggle, I don't know how many eggs. And if you think he can't juggle all those eggs, well, look at last season. We were just, for me, we were the best team in the world. We just came up against Crypt tonight at Anfield. Andy, some people are saying that Pep has lost his touch in the Champions League. He has now never gone beyond the Champions League semi-finals in eight attempts. Do you think it's true, with that fascinating eight attempts fact, that Guardiola has lost his touch a bit in the Champions League? So he's lost his touch for the last eight years. So is that, are we trying to say that he's never had any touch? No, um, it's, it's just that for the last eight years, he hasn't been able to build upon his performances with Barcelona. And then he did have Messi, so... It is a cup competition. The Champions League is a cup competition. It's like the FA Cup. It's like the Carabao Cup. It's It needs so many things to go your way. And Real Madrid have done it. You know, they've had three years of success and it's great. But what have they done in, in La Liga? So are you going to go, well, Real Madrid are such a, the best team in the world because they won the Champions League? in a cup competition or are you going to turn around and say well, yeah but they didn't win La Liga it's a cup competition it's like Liverpool look last season against us so many things can happen over a game 
a two-legged game in particular. We only need to see, and, and this is not before sort of, you know, the dippers start going on and going, oh, blah, 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 blah. We had offside decisions that were given against us when they weren't offside. We had, you know, all that. This thing happens, but in the Premier League, when it's over 38 games, or La Liga, or the Bundesliga, it's over a period of time where consistency proves the best team in that league. The Champions League is just like a cup competition. Ask Chelsea, you know, <laughs> ask Barcelona. Ask Arsenal, ask these other teams, you know, and ask Liverpool. They could, we only, well, put it this way, we only have to look at what Liverpool fans said after the Real Madrid final. What did they come out with? Their excuse was Ramos threw and assaulted and MMA'd Salah to the ground. and That was the reason behind. These things happen. Now, if the Champions League was over 38 games, the best team will win it. I don't go down this route. It's not one that I'm, I'm up for a, a, a debate about or an argument about. I just think cup competitions are cup competitions. You need to play well. You need a little bit of luck on the day. You need the right referee. You need decisions to go your way. If all goes your way, you end up winning a cup. No, it's not the Premier League. Walter, goal number one. The ball given away in midfield. Fekir breaks down the left, swings in a pass. And Delph, all he has to do is tap it out for a corner. He misses it, and Cornet finishes very, very well. What did you think of that? Just a, just down to an individual mistake, then. Yeah, I thought Delph, Delph had a howler. I mean, he's been so reliable for us as well, so I was gutted for him. Again, as Andy says, you know, it's, with a cup competition, these things can happen. We're slightly fortunate in the way this is the first game of a, of a six-game league. I still think City will come top of the group. And I think we're going to go over to Leon. I think we're going to absolutely batter them. Andy Turner, goal number two, Fernandinho lost the ball in defence and Fekir fired in a brilliant shot from 20 yards out. He looks a tasty player. You can see why Liverpool were interested in him, can't you? I can, but then I thought when I watched the World Cup, one of those things where people sort of say, oh, he had a great game, so he must be on the radar of, Liverpool, United, Chelsea, whoever, City. And to be up, up to that point, and I'll be brutally honest with you, a, a text. Ray is obviously very big on French football because he lives, or he did live up until recently, in Paris. So Leon, he spoke to all the Leon fans and, and everything. So he, Ray's like, his French, his knowledge of French football is exceptional. And he always said, he's average. And I turned around and posted to him about three minutes before his goal, He's absolutely <laughs> garbage. It's your and fault. And it's my fault. And next minute, he goes and hits that, and it's like... But, no. For the games I've seen him play, yeah, he's had a couple of good games. He was okay in the World Cup for whatever bits he played, which was minimal. Yeah, good strike. It's one of those. As they say, the sun shines on a dog's ass once every now and then. So I've heard different yeah. versions of that uh, one, but... Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, Walter, it could have been three on the R mark. You were mentioning this earlier. Memphis broke through. Memphis Depay broke through and brought a fantastic save out of Ederson. And it was a magnificent through ball from someone we've been linked to called Indombele. He's We've been linked with him. Great through ball. Depay threw on goal. It looked like he'd slammed it onto the post, but when you saw the replay, it was in fact a wonderful save by Aderson. Did you see that one? Well, that was the moment. That pass was the moment of the match. People ask me, non-City fans, about Edison and is he a good keeper? And Brilliant. I don't know. 
I don't know because he's not. He, he doesn't have to pull out many decent saves. I love him, and you know that I do. As a goalkeeper, I'm still not sure about how good he is. And that was just a save that sort of cements his sort of reputation with City fans and myself. Because he doesn't have to make that many saves over the course of a season. You know, he's just what he does with his feet and his calmness and everything that he brings to. I wouldn't swap him for any other keeper in the world, but I still don't know how good he is, if you know what I mean. Um, That's a good point, yes. What a good point. What a, what a ball through though, you know that uh, Depay's just sort of he's like his family down, he's like his club down, he's like himself down by not finishing off such an excellent ball through. So I was quite happy to see him miss because he was bad mouthing us before the game. <laughs> Andy Turner, what happened after half time was that City got back into it. Now Arteta resisted the temptation. I don't know whether Pep was controlling Arteta or not, but. He resisted the temptation to make the changes that we all wanted to see happen until maybe the hour mark. And it's no coincidence, is it, that as soon as Sane and Aguero come on, Sane looked electric. City dominated possession in the second half. They were only able to pull one goal back, but what a goal it was. Bernardo Silva sweep shot into the bottom corner from Leroy's pass, a superb jinking run from Lee Roy Sane sets up that pass and that goal. What did you think? Definitely the fact that Sane came on, changed the game. I think, like you say, we we all, we could see it. We could see it right from word go. I mean, it just looked unbalanced. It looked, that was my comment earlier in the discussion we had about Silva, Gundogan and um, Fernandinho in the same team. The whole game looked unbalanced. It looked, our side looked like it was, you know, top heavy on one side for one minute and top heavy on the other. I mean, it just, we lacked in pace all through the game and, Yes, I mean, it's an obvious thing. Bring Sani on, it's going to give you width and it's going to give you pace. But I'll be honest with you, I mean, I just thought it was too late in the day. You know, as much as it changed, I'll be honest with you. And if I could show you this now, I would do. But um, I'll try and bring it up just for you guys that are on Skype. But I posted to Ray, we were chatting as the game was going on. Because I had my stream was a bit crappy and and, and things like that. And Ray was uh, Ray was there, but I, I turned around and I, I said to him early on in the about thirty five minutes, I posted him a, a, a WhatsApp message and I said, "We're going to lose this." And he turned around <laughs> and said, "Oh, ah, have some faith, have some faith." And and then he came back and and said, well, "It's all right because we've got Sane on and we got." And I said. Won't make any difference because we were just didn't look at it, and I don't know the reason why. And it just we weren't there. And it was a yeah, it was a good goal, good strike. No, for me, there were too many players had an off day, and these things happen. We take it on the chin, we lose. The the Leon fans and the post match interviews we did were brilliant. They were you know, but I agree with Walter. We'll finish top of the group. Listeners, let me just wind Walter up and let's hear him go off on one. Walter, there were 40,000 people in the stadium. We were under capacity hugely. The atmosphere was flat and that affected the players. What do you think? Oh, you know my thoughts. I mean, the thing that annoys me most is you've got you've got fans from other clubs who've never been to a game criticising a club about people sat in stands. And with the way that I mean, the way that austerity has just crushed this country and the working class of this country, and to to, to to judge people 
on whether they go to a game or not. You know, I think it's more important for a lot of families that they put food on the table. You know, they're, they're not, you know, a football game is entertainment. It's something you do when you've got a bit of money. And as I kept, as I said to you on the last pod, this idea that City have could have they've got the greatest PR goal. It's on the penalty spot. The goalkeeper's there having a cigar and a brandy in the corner. They just need to slot it in. They could reduce the prices. They could get schools involved. They could be giving away free tickets to you know some of the students in Manchester. Get them involved because if you've got a, a youngster who's going going to to see a game, they're giddy as. And the fact that this youngster goes to a few games at Manchester City, their family might be all United fans, but the school's organised it. You could have a City fan. And that doesn't just mean a City fan for a game. That's a City fan a for a lifetime. Uh, so, I mean, I just find it, I find it despicable that this idea that, you know, working class people are getting judged about, it's, it's almost got about them not being at a game. And I think City have got to hold their hands up and say, look, we want the crowd to, I mean, if I asked you to now what was the best ever atmosphere at our ground, we all know that it was the Hamburg game where they just rattled out the tickets, cheap pass. And that's not a coincidence. The working class fans, they go and have a couple of pints, they get to the game, they're all giddy for it. And it's a working class game. Originally, it's been, you know, the gentrification of it is one thing. But to get them back in for big nights to G up the players, it's a no-brainer, absolute no-brainer, and I can't believe someone at City hasn't just thought, "Hang on a minute." Yeah, if, yeah. If City wants someone on on the board to, to 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 go through the whole business model of it, I'll be there for you because I'll explain it in no uncertain terms. Andy, let me just ask you this: Cal Doon and Sheikh Mansour are intelligent men. They can Very. see they can see the issue. Why don't they just make ticket prices for midweek games a tenner ago and uh, solve the problem? Because they're not in charge, Mike. They're not in charge of the model. Khaldun's not in charge of the model, and neither is Sheikh Mansour. They've both done absolutely incredible jobs for the club as a whole. Uh, let, let's take it as a whole. And, and we as City fans are absolutely grateful for everything they've done for us. So let's put those two people aside. I don't think they should be involved in the debate over this. And this is my, my own personal opinion. Sheikh Mansour is the one that's invested heavily in the club, the academy, the campus, the a local surrounding area. Khaldun is his like spokesperson. He's the one that is looking after Sheikh Mansour's money and everything that happens. I think there are sh- other people that should be involved in this, and I absolutely agree with Walter. I think the way that City, and I'm not just talking about City, it could be any club, because I don't read a, I don't read a lot about clubs doing this for fans and paying one pound a ticket it goes across the board in the premier league it just does but it's interesting because we've had this debate i've heard things on twitter of this representatives that are going to be voted in on the manchester city forum the people that are going to speak on our behalf as fans the people that are going to represent us as fans that we are supposed to have voted for i didn't vote for anybody because Uh, I've been away overseas and things. But if Manchester City or who is the representative of Manchester City does not listen to the right people, whether that be these so-called people on a certain age group, um, I think there's some others like uh, Bucknell. uh, I think he's been voted in, which is great on the ethnic side and 
But it's going to make absolutely no difference unless the person who is the one that is listening turns around and says, right, well, I'll tell you what, give us a reasonable debate on this. Tell us what price you think. Because we're the ones that are going. We're the ones that are paying for season tickets. We're the ones that are paying all this money. And I totally agree with, with Walter. We have a capacity of, what, 54,300 and whatever they want to call it. If Well, if they know that season tickets have been sold at this rate, and for so many, then give it to younger fans. They're our future. They are the ones that are going to be the ones that will buy a burger buy a shirt, buy a season ticket, go and see the team and love the team and follow them home and away and sometimes Europe. And and it didn't happen two or three years ago. I think it's happening over the last 12 months. I think there's a disconnect between the club and a pricing policy that needs to really change because, let's face it, we can, we can look at the whole debate on Twitter with LFC fans and all the others saying empty hard and forget it it's irrelevant but I do think the atmosphere needs to change and I don't care about the whole uh, UEFA Champions League booing the anthem and all of these some people say that it's oh that really impacts on the players well if you're a player you get booed every single away ground that you go to if you can't handle that tough basically you're earning 200 300 pound a week get on with it you're there for the fans that paid the hard-earned money to go and see you so i don't know but i agree season ticket prices went up again this season didn't need to be we're one of the richest clubs in world football we are fifth on the list of income in world football. Why raise the season ticket prices when they, what they could have done was turn around and say, I tell you what, guys, you're a brilliant set of fans that have followed us through thick and thin. You can have 25% off your season ticket price for next season, and then we'll assess it the following year and see how it goes. If you'd have done that, it have been a massive PR goal, not just for City fans, but that put pressure Huge. on other clubs. The other thing, exactly right. they could have covered that, they could have covered it exactly. by having a sponsorship deal with tractors Ex- in China. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. But guys, exactly. If, it, if it's so obvious and so clear, clearly beneficial all round, can we still not put our finger on who is the person or persons who could make this happen? I know that... I mean, the thing is with City, what we sort of fail to realise as fans is, it's not Caldoun and, you know, Shape Man's soul that are, uh, they are running things, but there's there's hundreds of people who work yeah. for City. Yeah. And this is, you know, there'd have been a, some pen pusher somewhere who would have signed off and gone and said, look, inflation's gone up 3%, I think we'll raise our prices by 3%. Exactly. You know, and for me, it's a nonsense. It's all, I remember at the time, it's just... It, there's some people that it pushed too far and they went, we're not having it. And the result, Mike, the result of that is you've got 15, 16, 17,000 empty seats. The other night, you know, there's a debate with the players then, should the crowd raise the players or should the players raise the crowd? Drop your prices. Yeah. 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 And they did it, they did it with the, the beer, get in early, have half price yeah. pints, whatever it takes, because ultimately, as a businessman, your model is failing because you haven't got the crowd getting involved. Oh, I've got a great suggestion as well. This was on my walk this morning with my mate, and uh, he was telling me, it was his wife who came up with this, you know we're booing this Champions League anthem. Scrap that. None of us like UEFA. That's fine. He says, as soon as you hear the opening bars to um, the Champions League anthem, 
to a man and a lady and a girl and a, no matter what the age we should be, that's when we all start chanting the song and everyone knows it. We're not really here. That's simple and genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we all just, you can just imagine you for like, hang on a minute, we're not, what are you on about? And, and you can see them scratching their heads, you know, and it'd be some guy in Switzerland, like, I don't understand what they're saying, you know, it's, it's, what? It's like when we call the, the Hulk, it, you're not incredible, you know, it's like, <laughs> they're trying to have a pop at us over that, and it's like, well, hang on a minute, it was funny, yeah. and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're not really here, as soon as we hear the Champions League anthem instead of the boot, get that on Man City TV, fan TV. <laughs> Spot on, Walter. Spot on. Okay, guys, now we've been on for a long time. Let's begin to wind this down. Uh, Let me take you back one week to Man City 3, Fulham 0. Now, the main threat in this game was said to be Alexander Mitrovic, who'd scored 24 goals for club and country in 2018. He was completely isolated, restricted to only one shot on target from long range in the second half. And after 1 minute and 36 seconds, we have return of Leroy. Now, Leroy's copped a lot of flack, but he's obviously back to it. We all knew that he had issues in his personal life. Those seem to be resolved. Back in Pep's good books. 1 minute 30 seconds. Seri, one of the much heralded imports, John Michael Seri, gives the ball away in midfield. Fernandinho, we saw the good side of Fernandinho here. He breaks forward, tees up Sane for a tap-in. Inside the six-yard box, most people haven't even sat down in their seats yet. Andy Turner, did you like it? Yeah, I did. If I have to take the game as a whole, uh, it wasn't great. It was fits and starts. We we were okay for like bits and pieces of the game. Uh, I was there. The atmosphere was. I mean, the Fulham fans didn't make much noise. I mean, where we sit, we we're in the upper. At the top, South Stand, not so far away from the Fulham fans, uh, they weren't interested at all. A lovely, lovely bunch of fans uh, interviewed him beforehand. <laughs> very, very nice, very posh, very, you know, and they're great bunch. But, uh, yeah, they, they didn't create, it wasn't like the week before against Newcastle or a couple of weeks before against Newcastle where it was, it was intimidating. They were giving us all the shit that you'd think of us like they normally do. Yeah, it was, it was one of those games. It was, yeah, we were okay. Good. Great to see Sane back, you know, but I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say as far as the Sane debate. Uh, the only thing I look at it is, yes, he's a kid. Let's give him some time like we did with Foden and Sterling. But he's had a baby. Everyone's had a baby. We've all been there. We've all been young and had kids. And oh, there's plenty of people that have had kids. We don't have private health care and all the best doctors in the world. And I, I don't know. I don't get this whole debate over. <laughs> oh, it must have, re- must have really affected him. And he's not played in the World Cup. He's had the summer off. He's, had, he's been photographed in California with his girlfriend is well, whatever I, I don't get it it's great to see him back concentrate on your football Leroy let's get on with it and just be one of the best wingers attacking wingers in world football and get on with it end of story Walter <laughs> nonetheless Walter City were in complete control in that first half doubled the lead on 20 minutes Bernardo Silva good work down the left Eventually finished off by David Silva's half volley that struck the bar on its sway in. Sterling hit the bar in the first half. It finished 2-0 at halftime. Two minutes after the restart, Sterling taps in Aguero's low cross from the right. And by this time, Ryan Sessignon, another much-heralded player, was being given a torrid time. 
Guardiola, after the game, was furious. He said, we had far too many clear chances to score and we need to work at scoring more. 28 shots, 9 on target, but still, Guardiola was furious that that wasn't 6, 7, 8. Well, I was happy enough. I mean, at the end of the day, it's three points and it's three goals to the good and, uh, you know, in the um, point, in the goal difference. And you talk about, there's two tap-ins in that game. Sterling taps one in and Leroy's taps one in. And we forget, they had VAR playing and they didn't use it, but they had VAR trialing and ours was the only goal that sort of didn't, <laughs> didn't manage to, didn't manage to stand. He was flagged offside when he was on. Sounds familiar. And I also thought Sterling was unlucky where he, he puts it through the goalkeeper's legs and he just manages, the goalkeeper managed just to skim off his backside and it bounces down and hits the crossbar. So I thought, yeah, Pep's got a point, but what I like about it is Pep's desperate for this team to do well. You won 3-0, so what? You didn't play well. He's there to push them. As a fan, we can be happy, but as a manager... As going back, he needs to motivate and push. He can't have these players sort of relaxing on their their laurels, if you know what I mean. So he needs to carry on pushing and pushing and pushing. But I thought it was a nice touch with the two old days that came out. That's right, ninety-eight and one hundred and two. I thought, well, that was just a, that was a class touch. I mean, this just goes to show they can do a class touch. They just need to get it to all the fans now. Okay, Walter. Let's give you a few little factoids from that. That was Silva's fiftieth Premier League goal. He has become the fifth City player to reach that landmark. Can you name the other players who have hit 50 goals, Premier League goals, for Man City? And there Aguero. Are, Aguero is one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two uh, more. I know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Aguero, yeah, yeah. Um, Jacko. That's it. You've just got one more. Oh, Tevez. You got it. Wow, you're on hot form today, Walter. <laughs> Okay, so interesting. Man City are now unbeaten in the Premier League against newly promoted sides in their last 34 home meetings since losing to Reading 2-0 in 2007. Leroy Sané has had a hand in 18 goals in his last Premier League games at the Etihad Stadium. Six goals and 12 assists. And how about this one? Raheem Sterling has scored... More goals in all competitions for Manchester City under Pep Guardiola at 36, except for one man, Sergio Aguero. Would you care to have a guess how many goals that Sergio has scored in all competitions for Man City under Guardiola? There's a big, say, there's a big gap between Sterling and Aguero, by the way. So Sterling is 36. I'm going to say 62. My goodness, you are in good form. Not quite. 68, but you're close enough. Uh, Walter, let me just begin to wind this down. Would you say that Liverpool are more clinical than Man City in front of goal? Well, we've got more goals. And I do believe if, it, if VAR existed, that w- I'm, still, I'm still unhappy, should I just say, about the decision at Wolves to give them their goals. We should be top of the league now. The referee had done his job. That's exactly where we would be. Not at all. I think... The media would love to have you believe that Liverpool are going to push us and push us and push us. But any time anyone says that, I just think 25 points behind last year. So they've got a lot of ground to make up. And no leagues, you can lose the league in August, September, October, but you can never win the league in that time. Walter, question number two of a similar vein. Is Liverpool's midfield more robust? Think about our midfield. We've got Fernandinho, who's the uh, the tough guy. 
And then we've got two predominantly attacking players in front of him. So Liverpool's midfield are full of these industrious, busy bees. And maybe some people feel that that's why we keep losing to them. What do you think? Have Liverpool got a more robust midfield than Man City? Well, they've got a more clogging midfield. Would have swapped their midfield for our midfield? Not a chance. No, I just think that they're a different set of players with a different sort of set of objectives and a different (laughs) manager and a different style. And we're playing the beautiful football. We score more goals than them. We concede less goals than them. So, no, not at all. I just think, I think what we've got is far more intricate and I just think it's it's just more beautiful to watch than put it this way. I think we we've got a, a vavavoom midfield and they've got a Brexit midfield. That's the end of episode eleven, part two. Please stay tuned for part three. Oh. 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 Oh.